Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage. We're here for you. We're here till 2 o'clock. And uh, later on this hour, we'll talk with James Fegan of The Athletic. We will talk White Sox. They're laying people off. Jerry Reinsdorf talked about losing money. They're laying people off, effective the end of the season. There's a central question we need to ask about that, and we will. And we'll talk to him about, you know, the local American Legion teams playing at Cubs Park on Sunday and Sox Park on Monday. So, Mark, I'll just give you the answer. The Do you have any guess? Oh, sorry. Of, I'm here. Do you have any guess of uh, which player can claim to be the only one that I know of who won a Little League World Series and a Stanley Cup? Oh, my God. Oh, um... Man, no, I got my... Uh, a Little League World Series mm-hmm. and... I will tell you, the Little League World Series came with Trumbull, Connecticut. The Stanley Cup came with the Colorado Avalanche. Is it Patrick Roa? No, mon ami, no. Roa. What part of what part of Wa sounds like like Trumbull, Connecticut to you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Corey Crawford grew up by the Lysing, uh, Patrick Y. Barely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Corey Crawford, very non Canadian sounding, although he is that. And yet, yeah, he Montreal, he's from Quebec, eh? Anyways, Chris Drury. Ah. Chris Drury. That's a great trivia question. Trumbull, Connecticut. He, they won the World Series. He was. The pitcher of record, I think, when they did win the World Series, and I know that he was a, a big part of the Avalanche when they won when the former Quebec and Nordique uh, won the Stanley Cup. You so were just that. full of trivia questions today. What's gotten I, into but you? It sound, been... You know what? It sounds like real sports. We're actually talking about it. I know there's reason to fear it. It's just not going to happen. So here's a six three zero texture that I don't, I haven't done all the math that this person has. Going back to our Kimbrel discussion, has yeah. a 19.6 career WAR. The average WAR of relief pitchers in the Hall is 39.1. He needs another five plus years of dominating pitching to get in. We don't think, based on the discussion we've had already, that he can have five games of dominating pitching to get in. 
So I don't think I still don't think he's a Hall of Famer. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that relievers will continue to be looked upon differently as in it took forever. Like we talked about with Lee Smith, yeah. that position is starting to be taken more seriously, and to have had the war. Mark said it as he said, assuming he's right, and I have no reason to doubt the 630 texture, that maybe that's a little bit too high of a mark to attain, and I don't know if that's what going forward they are going to look at in terms of the benchmark for closers. I don't think Craig Kimbrell is going to dominate for the next five years. So mm-hmm. to, to, to that end, if that is the mark, 39.1, that they continue to look at, Kimball won't get in. But if you're asking me right now, I do think Craig Kimball gets into the Hall of Fame. All right. Well, I don't think so. And with the velocity receding, I think there's even less chance. A texture here, our text line, by the way, the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. That number is 312-644-6767. And if that number sounds familiar, that's the one people used to use when they used to call this show. We have not had any breaking phone callers. We have not heard the breaking phone call sounder nor the introduction from Trash Panda to the caller on the line. But that's the same number. One great number, two great uses. You can call us at 312-644-6767 or you can text us at that same number. Uh, Texter makes the point the three batter minimum now how do you manage craig kimbrell does that mean he has to give up three home runs before he gets yanked (laughs) says the texter (laughs) hey i'm trying to steal my snarky job i i love the three batter minimum i was talking about that on one of my recent solo shows because i think it it forces the manager to do a lot more thinking like managers try to look smart by marching out to the mound for matchups, one batter for every pitcher. Like, I think that they feel empowered and they feel good about themselves, especially if it works. But I always thought that that was just kind of a cheap trick, actually. I think the the harder thing to do is to place your bet on who you think is going to be good against, you know, I mean, you want a guy who obviously has good reverse splits, a lefty you can throw to a righty. I think that this makes it really interesting decision-making wise for the the manager and then of course it it keeps the game moving along um i don't know i I think baseball is just there's kind of there's baseball is going about this wrong but i don't have the right answer because baseball has two problems they can't separate or nor fix it has a pace of play problem and it has a nerd problem. And there's nothing wrong with the nerd problem because launch angle has been the ultimate part of chicks dig the long ball. And that's the, they, the nerds have figured out that's the smartest way to play this game. We're gonna hit home runs and you're gonna try to throw faster and harder. So the game is reduced to three true outcomes. And it's a strikeout, a walk, or a home run. The pace of play problem isn't the issue. The the excitement is the issue. I mean, the, the, the pace that affects the pace of play or length of games. Nobody cares if the game's four and a half hours if it's eight to seven and you've got 20 hits. 
or you've got 20 men on base. They walk, they bunt, they steal, whatever they do, they get on. But there's so much dead time. And the problem is they're both, every, every team has figured out the, the most effective way to play is to hit home runs. You're not going to put three singles together when guys can throw 100 miles an hour. And that what three singles and bunting is not going to get you the runs you need. Um, baseball doesn't have a lot of action, and that ultimately will kill it. Visits to the mound is not going to make a difference. You know, you don't. So you lay a guy in for three batters. So what? That's how you're going to create action. You're going to have a guy who's clearly overmatched, and he's going to give a, a home run and two doubles. Okay, we got action in the game, and the team doesn't want to. You know, one team doesn't want to see it because the manager is hamstrung with that decision. And he's going to pay for it three times. So your manager's making a decision, Mark, and he's going to make he's going to make three times the bad decision. That's what well. baseball has done. Uh oh. That sounds like our breaking phone call sounder. Yeah, hi, guys. Hi, hi Trash Panda. TP, what up, y'all? Steven yo? Elmhurst has thoughts on Craig Kimbrell for you guys. Steve, welcome to the score. Yeah, good morning. Uh, afternoon now. Uh, I actually, I just think that uh, I, you're missing uh, what's really important where Kimbrell's concerned because I really believe he's got plenty of velocity still to be successful. The bigger issue with him is that his pitches were so flat last year. And uh, this is a guy who, you know, if he can get some more downward tilt on those pitches, which I know the Cubs are working on with him at this point, um, that would make a world of difference. You see a lot of guys like Rod Beck later in their career still having good years, being effective, even though they had lost their velocity because they still had good movement on their pitches. Um, you know, you look at Greg, uh, Greg Maddox, uh, you know, now Hendricks, lots of guys who don't have great velocity, still whoa, very whoa, effective. Whoa, 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 Steve, Steve. Greg Maddox never threw 100 miles an hour. No, in 1991. No, 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 no. Not even if you added two pitches together, he wasn't going to throw 100 miles an hour. This is a guy who achieved so much based on sheer miles per hour and now he can't do that that's not to say he can't reinvent himself but from what we've seen he's a liability i disagree i think if he he all he has to do really is change the grip on the ball a little bit and get some more spin get some downward movement and uh he's he's still got you know the low 90s to mid 90s depending on the day and that's mm. plenty to get Major League hitters out if you've got good movement. Right, no, if you've got this, if you've got that. He, 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 does not, he can't get by on low 90s. That, I mean, no. th this is a guy who has made his way. There, there's not enough time to adjust to that for, for nobody. And he, he is working on supposedly a changeup. That is one of the things that he is trying to craft into his game. But, no, if he's, if he's in the low 90s, forget about it. Um, that, yeah. that ain't going to well, work. He's gonna. He's definitely most more often than not. He's gonna be in the mid 90s. You get enough. You get more movement. You don't have to have to. You know, tremendous movement. He gets more movement on his pitches instead of the flat stuff he was throwing last year. I think he's still got a good chance to be successful this year. All right, All right Steve. Well, we'll we'll 
take that under advisement and we'll watch for that and I don't have nearly the faith that you have I just think it's that's that is a hard reinvention based on what I've seen and you know what part of that mark is we've seen guys having to accept the fact they weren't that guy from before that's a that's a hard yes a hard bit of humility and a, and a, um, demands a resourcefulness based on self-honesty and I'm not saying athletes lie to themselves but they do have a different version of the way they look at themselves than we look at them certainly well and some guys know how to pitch a certain way Craig Kimbrell has made a career a very good career maybe even great career maybe even Hall of Fame career pitching with high velocity that's the way he does it he does not know how to pitch with lower velocity he does not know how to be Joe Borowski as a closer if we're talking about low 90s low nine and, and Joe Borowski was good at it like I, I never knew how he got saves because he didn't have velocity obviously he had enough deception to get the job done and there are pitchers that know how to work with lower velocity I don't trust that Craig Kimbrell knows how to do it, nor should he know how to do it. He's become great with high velocity. I just don't think there's time for him to adjust at this point to low, if, yeah, it, low 90s. Come on, forget about it. I, you know, the Joe Borowski thing, every time his name comes up, and it just happened when you brought it up now, all I can think about is when he's pitching and Don Baylor is in the Cubs dugout, and it's at Wrigley, and it's a day like today where temperatures in the mid 90s the heat index is going to be a thousand and joe borowski sweated like nobody's business it was cart- <laughs> sweaty joe it was cartoonish <laughs> it was it's all running down it's like the umpires could have called him for putting you know moisture on the ball at any moment because he was niagara falls it was and he's out there and he's doing exactly what you're talking about he's trying he's grinding through everything and it's showing on his face, and there it is, Niagara Falls. He's just sweating like like it was a cartoon. It was so. That's my Joe Borowski picture. And he, he certainly he was that guy. He wasn't gonna he he wasn't gonna cheat the team or the manager. He gave him the ball. He was gonna give you all of that kind of grindiness and whatever he had in in his low 90s to get you out. But that whole Joe Borowski. I'm sure there are Cup fans who remember that. Yeah, do you remember a more recent sweating episode for the Cubs? Do you remember the the Jake Arrieta sweating? I think it was a game in Pittsburgh, I want to say, where he was sweating so much that he couldn't get a good grip on the baseball. Right. Yes, and it was it it was the kind of thing where health officials would have been brought in if this were Legion ball. Sorry. Right. DCFS (laughs) is here. You're not playing baseball, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So we will take a break. When we come back, we'll talk White Sox. We'll talk White Sox with James Fegan of The Athletic. They're making some layoffs. They're also going to play some practice games in Legion week as it begins now or tomorrow, I guess. We'll talk to him about that. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage. Thank you for listening, and thanks for our one call today. It broke our streak, but we're happy to have you. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast a team like the white Sox, when you play 162 games there's a lot more time for you to be exposed 60 games it's much easier if you get off to a good start and young players don't go around the league three times they're playing on their talent It's going to be really fascinating to watch. I think, in a lot of ways, the White Sox are one of the most intriguing teams to watch. Me too. That's Peter Gammons. He was on with Zayer and Thademan. How about Zayman and Thayer? Wow. This is Saturday Suckage, as you can tell. That interview came from the Molly and Haw show, which included neither Molly nor Haw. Rosenblum and Grody with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score now joining us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, is James Fegan, who covers the aforementioned White Sox for The Athletic. James, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, providing a single accomplishment on my uh, Saturday that I answered a phone call. You did. You, you, it was a quality answer. We we appreciate that. As you, we wanted to get you ahead of beginning Legion Week, and they're actually going to play games. But the the news was, um, the Sox are laying people off, and they will let them know at the end of the season. This will be your last season, and it's a lot of people in personnel scouting like that. You wrote about it. Connect the dots for me. Connect the dots between the Sox layoffs and what it means to a team still rebuilding in a need of talent. To me, that's the story. Otherwise, this is just bookkeeping at a, at a, a financially disastrous time. 
Right. I, I think probably with the White Sox, it, it's, the fans will probably be less concerned about player development staffers and scouts as much as they're trying to read the tea leaves on this is a team that was entering its contention cycle and just had this offseason where they spent a lot with the idea that there would be a lot more behind it. So you're trying to basically discern what does this mean about their plans? Is this going to be some adjustment? Are they not going to spend maybe the way that they were hinting that they were starting to spend? So um, I guess the question you would larger have, the larger big picture thing is, is this indicative of maybe their financial resources are going to be so impacted by this that, um, you know, maybe the, 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 the rebuild doesn't open up into this intense contention cycle that everyone was hoping. So this is, I, I think the White Sox stance would be this is just, uh, you know, this is something they have to do, and, and this is, you know, bookkeeping as you put it, but I, I think it's maybe a little uh, shot across the bow of concern of, you know, if they are retracting like this, if Jerry Reinsdorf is, is publicly commented in the USA Today that they have these major losses and you're seeing them take steps in response to it, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that there's not money for George Springer next offseason? Does that mean if uh, they're going to have to shop on the budget when they need a help in the bullpen? Does that mean they have to be less aggressive with the trade deadline taking on salary? I think that's probably the larger concern, uh, you know, the, the average White Sox fan has rather than if they're pro scouting is, is – is uh, weakened right now because right now pro scouts can't go to any ballparks because there are no minor league games and they're not allowed in a major league parks. And the player development staff, you know, they're getting cut by the fact that there's there's no minor league players for them to really coach right now because they're not in camp. So really they're kind of cutting positions that we're probably waiting for the pandemic end to actually do their jobs. And, you know, the team has kind of stopped waiting in that end. But you're probably more concerned in terms of what does this mean for spending going forward. Yeah, and I, I think the the White Sox, the way they are currently put together player-wise, they're in pretty good shape because they have young players under contract. Some players have been getting extensions like Luis Robert, of course, Tim Anderson from a couple of years ago. But I guess I'll, I guess I'll ask you the question that you were just pondering when it comes to the, the offseason. Do you think this will affect them from going out and getting the splashy free agent or do you think that they have purposely locked their team in the way it is and want to ride with that because of the financial concerns i mean they've definitely locked in the core that matters uh to say like there's not they're not in the same position they were this this previous offseason where you needed to lock in your long-term catcher that's why you signed yasmani grandal maybe the rotation is kind of figured out for the next couple of years in terms of the core pieces you have but just as what we saw across town of the Cubs, like that core that won the World Series is still mostly in place, but you had needs that popped up year to year that needed to be seriously addressed, and that's why you wind up signing Hugh Darvish for you know hundreds of millions of dollars. I can't really say as much as confidence as the White Sox core inspires that those same needs are not going to pop up every now and then. So now it becomes a question of whether or not are you, um, are, are you able to kind of shop at the top of the market the way the Cubs were for a few years, or are you in position in a year or two from now or even next offseason where you're, you know, you're getting your Tyler Chatwood to fill out a rotation rather than uh, you know, the top guy on the market? Uh, so I think that's probably the concern that you have uh, just as a result of this. Not even necessarily – maybe that, that, that's a concern that's legitimate before you hear this news that there are layoffs. It's just everybody is being affected by the pandemic and the White Sox are not immune. And, uh, you know, that, that figures to um, curb spending. Now, whether the entire free agent market collapses in a way where just every good player is available for less, maybe that, you know, mitigates it a little bit. But it's just a kind of a, a lingering doubt that's hanging over everything now.
We're talking with James Fegan of The Athletic. He covers the White Sox, does a terrific job, and we're talking White Sox baseball here on The Score. Are pitchers ahead of the hitters, or is it just Dylan Cease with a Bugs Bunny breaking pitches and Dallas Keuchel being Dallas Keuchel that I've seen recently? I would say in the first week, I felt like pitchers were ahead of the hitters. I feel like it's... uh... You know, watching the hitters in first spring training, it reminded me of like the start of spring training in March or maybe February, where it kind of, you're watching it and you kind of think like, man, maybe it is, it is impossible to score runs. But they've kind of um, they've kind of come alive since that, and I, I felt like we saw a lot of home runs uh, from Luis Robert. Tim Anderson's been kind of going off all spring training. Edwin Carnacion, who looked really rusty in spring training in, in, in February, has been really viable at the plate. So I really think that you kind of have to give it up to him. And the stuff that Dylan Cease was throwing was legit undeniable. Like, Dallas Keuchel kind of does what he does and very much quick contact. And it's not like an overwhelming guy when you watch him. But I, I, there was no – there's never been any masking that Dylan Cease's stuff was top-end. It was just very always inconsistently commanded. And if he's throwing breaking balls like that for strikes uh, consistently, like, yeah, he's the guy. I know I've been kind of <laughs> – my readers have ragged on me for being a little hard on him by just reminding people, like, we can't say that a guy who had a five and a half ERA last year is going to be for sure a stud this season, but uh, that is the talent level that is why he's in the rotation that we, we saw it recently. I am totally with you on that, man. I mean, it was really encouraging to see him do what he did, especially the, the back-to-back pitches against your mean Mercedes, where it was the same pitch and coming at him and then going away from him. You know, the stuff was legit. On the other side of it, you mentioned Encarnacion. He had two home runs. I believe they were both off of Carlos Rodon. What did you make of his performance, keeping everything in perspective? I mean, you want to see production from it. Like, at a certain point, I feel like in the early parts, like when you're seeing a prospect in spring training, you want to see him stand up to the competition. You want to see him like show out and show the reason that you're supposed to be excited about him right away. And then when somebody gets established into their career prime, you kind of stop paying attention in spring training because you trust their numbers are going to be there. And then they get yeah. to like an age where they're in Canacion. You kind of want to see evidence that they're not washed up and they're not physically broken down. <laughs> and that's maybe what was lingering in my head a little bit uh, watching him in February. Where he just like he seemed really late on everything. But he, he seemed like the same guy. He seemed like the same guy who hits 30 home runs every year uh, for the past decade. And, um, you know, he has that statistical tr- consistency and track record. But I feel like it really actually was meaningful to see him be productive in the summer camp because, you know, he, he's a 36-year-old DH. Those, those guys have it until all of a sudden one day they don't. Like, you know, it reminds me of Paul Canerco and Adam Dunn. There wasn't really like a fast or, or, or a gradual uh, tick down for them. It just kind of left them all at once. So you, you want to see that in, in spring training from him. Well, Encarnacion can do the parrot. So as long as he doesn't need rotator cuff surgery, then we know that he's good and he's healthy. And this is the right time to be hitting in that ballpark. This ballpark has always played small, July, August. This is a really good time to start the season if they can start it and continue it. So that's great for what they've been doing now. I'm not really surprised by that. That's why I wondered about the pitching, but I want to ask about, you mentioned prospects. We're talking with James Fegan of The Athletic, talking White Sox. Have the White Sox been surprised by anything Nick Madrigal has done, or has what he's done underscored their beliefs and their hopes and their wants to make him a starter, put him in the starting lineup this year? 
You know, they, he struggled a lot in spring, from what I could tell. Uh, he's been a bit better this uh, in the summer. You know, they they very much stuck the idea that they, they know what he is. And, you know, while he has some stuff that they uh, felt like he cleaned up since uh, spring to summer in terms of bat pass, that they always kind of like had him track for the, the second base in the future, and they've had him that for a while. You know, I, I think, I you know, uh, like, Keith Law, our prospect guy, like ranked him outside of the top 100 uh, based on the idea that he's just Nick Madrigal is just never going to have much pop. And I can't say I've seen a ton of it from him. He definitely has been a very singles exclusive type guy, and you haven't seen like a ton of exit below. And I wouldn't say that he's wowed me uh, in summer, but he, he seems like as advertised in terms of just how much he makes contact. I think he'll have uh, you know, a rough adjustment period like any rookie uh, in summer. I don't think he's necessarily being a guy like Luis Roberts that I would just expect to be a star in a 60-game season, but I, I haven't seen anything to suggest that he's not going to take over second base, you know, basically a week after the season when, uh, you know, it turns over to getting an extra year of service time from him. Back to the, the starting rotation, and uh, we talked about Edwin Encarnacion. He's the one that hit the home runs off of uh, Carlos Rodon, who gave up three home runs in the game, not necessarily having to take that completely seriously. But is Rodon going to be – is he penciled in as a starter this year, or is he going to be used out of the bullpen? He certainly thinks so. I mean, we asked him about it uh, after his last time out, and he basically said, like, I don't, I, wouldn't, I don't know why I'd be pitching four innings and prepared to pitch longer my next time out if I'm going to the bullpen. They're stretching me out like I'm a starter. So at this point, and I, I think it's right on, is that you'll, you'll need at least six starters over the course of a, a season, just assuming somebody something goes wrong or someone gets hurt or someone underperforms. But it seems like they're preparing all six of the guys that they have in camp you know, it was seven until Kopech opted out to just start and hoping to have them ready and stretched out in case something happens. So I don't know how that exactly plays out. I would assume maybe they might go to like a six man rotation or something. Cause you don't really want to like back someone up after you've already stretched them out for the season. Um, but yeah, I, I think Rodon is someone they viewed that way. And so the fact that they, he's responded healthily to every challenge, I think he goes forward as a starter. I don't know exactly how they mix and match him with Gio Gonzalez, but I don't see him going back to all of a sudden just pitching one inning. James Fagan is our guest. He covers the White Sox for The Athletic. We were discussing earlier the three batter minimum. Which White Sox relievers are likely to suffer most, either not getting in because Ricky Renteria doesn't want to just throw him against three batters um, or who does this benefit who does this hurt who does this benefit from the bullpen that we think is part of a pretty deep pitching staff I don't know if it really benefits anyone as much as it just makes them I guess uh, more sacred uh, I suppose like Aaron Bummer was you know good and valuable under the old rules and now he's just even more uh, a good commodity in terms of like he's a good lefty who's always been effective at getting um, right-handers out because he throws that sinker that has a uh, movement that, that kind of tracks away from um, raised from right-handers. I think the guy who kind of is in a rough spot or needs to kind of adapt is, is probably Jake Spry. And I wouldn't even say Jake Spry is incapable of getting right-handers out because it was when he was really good in 2018, he, he did that. And he has a pretty wide arsenal that he has stuff to throw at right-handers. It's just that he's a guy who was really iffy with his control last year. So treating him as kind of a lefty specialist as a, as a one-out guy kind of gave the White Sox the, the option to kind of pull the plug if his control wasn't there. And like, if he, 
he comes and he faces one lefty and he walks them and he clearly doesn't have his like commands. And they're all right, all right, let's move on and get a better matchup. Now they kind of have to stick with him through those control problems, so it kind of behooves him to to really fix it. And you kind of saw that with the way they stacked their second side roster. You know, they didn't have all their top prospects on that group, but if you are a left-handed reliever in the White Sox system uh, who showed like any promise, you went to Schaumburg. So it's clear that they have that kind of ready <laughs> in case things don't work out for Fry because they 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 don't really have like a uh, you know time to waste and, and suffer through that if it's not going well. It's a three batter rule. Hmm. Well, that makes me wonder since you mentioned top prospects, you mentioned lefties, you mentioned Schaumburg. Will Garrett Crochet pitch in the big leagues this year? The White Sox number one pick this year, number 11 overall in the 2020 draft. I'm still going to bet no, but it definitely looks possible. Like the, they definitely soft out of the idea that, that that would be what result from it. But there's, there certainly could be the sort of need for it that emerges that calls out for it. And Garrett Crochet has a very, very good chance of being the guy who's in Schaumburg, who's just throwing the most smoke from the left-handed bullpen. Like, they're definitely going to get tempted by it. They definitely mm-hmm. don't want to right now. Um, but if they're in the race and they clearly need that acute help from the left-handed pen, it's going to be very hard for them to say, like, well, let's not bring the most talented guy who can definitely succeed in this small, limited role right away. So I would lean no, but I don't think it's as impossible as I felt it was, you know, when everybody was talking about it on draft night. So you're looking forward to tomorrow's practice games tomorrow and um, Monday and finally will look different, whatever they're going to do during this Legion season? Uh, yeah, it, it'll be nice to have some sense of obligation to pay attention. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much like I'm supposed to like make out of like it's the constant thing when you watch a owner squad home run. Like, oh, is Andrew Vaughn ready for the major leagues now, or is Gio Gonzalez in trouble? Like, you don't get what the what, what read you're supposed to make off of uh, like guys squaring off of each other. So, hopefully, like some sort of showdowns of the Cubs provides us some sort of reasonable information. But I, as someone who's trying to watch the game, take a specific takeaway and like, what does this mean? What does this say about this guy? Watching these interstate games has kind of just been tying my brain in knots. So it's something that seems more like a real competition that i would welcome it <laughs> who, are they, who are they starting do you know yet who are they starting tomorrow night Sox. trubisky uh, tomorrow <laughs> i don't know because they've uh because today was supposed to be chilito so okay because they've been throwing like three starters at one time like they've had been having dylan Cease, carl's redon and ronaldo lopez all thrown on the same day the day yeah. in between giolito and them has been a bullpen game the last few times so i don't know what they would do uh for that i'm sure everyone would love to finally see a crosstown game and it's a bullpen game for one side but you know that could be what happens actually i could argue that that would be the best thing for ricky retoria to do when managing matters for him this year that this is not just development i a bullpen game is exactly what they need everybody faces three batters that's what i would yeah. do that's i would I mean, think that's important for ricky retoria 30 guys on the roster, you could probably pull off a bullpen game as easily as you ever could, I would think. Yeah, so tell them yeah, that's no what doubt. I think because I know the value of my opinion on the south side. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try to chime in that suggestion today. Yeah, James, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. And uh, pre- right. thanks for picking up the phone today. 
it's my it's my one accomplishment of the day. So <laughs> congratulations. Good thing you got it out of the way now. So get into some air conditioning. There you go. Thanks. Yeah, now I can take a nap. Oh, yes. James, speaking of the athletics, so so there you go. Ran that down pretty good. And um, talk some Cubs today, talk some Sox today. Mark, I know we mentioned the NFL earlier, but we need to talk about the NFL. It um, It's faking like it's going to be real, and I can't tell whether they're inept or inert, but we need to discuss what's real and what's not and where this might go so we'll do that next Is that okay with you you ready to i'll talk? straighten you out on that too man i, t- I took care of you there know you were doctor, in the first hour of the show dr grody was really good in the first hour so now we'll we'll see if hut hut grody can do something do you think <laughs> do you think jean grody listens to this show and she listens to more of this show than she does when it's just you as the star i do think so i think she prefers me working with somebody else i really do i really do like i said like she said to me yesterday well you know you'll have a you'll have somebody to play off of so i think she feels it like the so she understands the grind of the solo show well i well i you gene your your son's grown we took the training wheels off him a long time ago this is he's just he's just going back for old time's sake here when he does saturday suckage so i just want her to know We'll yes. take a break. When we come back, we'll we'll talk some football. Saturday suckage, but you knew that. And also later on next hour, by the way, we got Nancy Armour to talk about the the House of Turds in Washington. We have we have what are you doing, Wagner? And we have some Wake and Bake Club news that is very important in the upcoming sports calendar. So we got much planned. This is. This is faking like it's going to be a real sports radio talk show. Um, but we've tried that before, and it hasn't necessarily worked out. For yeah, I'm uncomfortable with that notion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it too much pressure, or just you don't know where that's coming from? That's the indefensible. Yeah, it's too much pressure. But the story to which you referred, if it's the one I'm thinking of, we should be doing you know, round-the-clock coverage on it. We, so, we should. Yes. We, sh- we should. Well, we'll get to that. Rosenblum and Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody with you, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Saturday Suckage, taking it up to the top of the hour, in which case we will welcome in Nancy Armour, columnist for USA Today. Uh, talk some NFL with her, some Washington football team. They're just despicable on two fronts. Uh, we'll also be doing What Are You Doing, Wegner, next hour, and it will have certainly the Wake and Bake Club will have an interest in it. Right now, the NFL is making some news. It has sent out a uh, sent out a memo. Training camp is on, according to Troy Vincent. At yesterday's league meeting, read the memo, the membership was advised under the collective bargaining agreement. The reporting dates for training camp this year are as follows. Rookies, July 21st. Quarterbacks and injured players, July 23rd. All other players, July 28th. Those dates are applicable for all clubs other than Houston and Kansas City. They're the ones who would get a head start. And then J.J. Watt, days before, and he's part of the 
He said he's been on four NFLPA calls in the last two weeks with hundreds of other players. Rookies are scheduled to report almost immediately. Here's what we know and don't know, said J.J. Watt. We want to play. We want to be as safe as possible. We have not received a single valid infections, disease, emergency response from any team or the league. We don't know if there are preseason games or not. We don't know if there will be daily testing, semi-daily testing, etc. We don't know how a potential positive COVID test would affect contracts, roster spots, etc. Nothing has been agreed upon regarding what training camp will actually look like and how the quote ramp up period will work. We want to play. Mark Rohde, this sounds like an inept and inert mess where they're forcing rookies to show up at a point where they have no idea what to do, which looks like arrogance on the NFL's part. What do you think? Well, I do love the both the words inept and especially inert. I would say that J.J. You know, Watt, that you know, is one player, dare I say that just because they have not received that it doesn't mean that they don't have as in i i actually i know this is going to sound really stupid and naive to some people but i they must have a procedure they must have a procedure in place for covid breakout or protocols have the players seen it yet on now that might be the mistake that they haven't seen it but they they're don't you believe, Steve, that there has to be something that they have in that regard that it is no. very detailed and very drawn up? Why would they not? Because I mean, that would because that would I, be inept and inert. I, I would the 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 arrogance of the NFL is an, it's one of their four major food groups. It is overriding. We're the NFL. We're better than the virus. That's the way we act and work. Why would you hide it from the players? It has to be agreed upon. Why would you? Why would you hide it from the public? You'd want to look like you were doing something that was public. You, know, you would want to make public how smart you are. And, and then if you needed anything else, and maybe only because it's football, and there's a big difference between college and pros, and the, and the pros have a, a, players have a union, and college players are simply um, in, indentured in a lot of ways and don't have a union, don't have a single voice. In fact, the NCAA doesn't even have a single voice. They just look so stupid. Again, arrogance and greed, and those are two of the major four group, food groups of the NFL as well. Where has college football been all this time? All these months when it didn't have to do anything except develop a plan. Where's college football's plan? Well, the Illini's plan is to have 20% uh, of the stadium filled at Memorial Stadium. Okay, that's, that, so. that's good. Maybe for graduation, <laughs> not for football. Um, yeah, it's a mystery to me as to why they, why they, and again, one player, you know, J.J. Watt, why they would not have spoken to or released this plan to the players i think it would just be it would be borderline criminal if they didn't actually have a plan that's why i believe there must be a plan um and then you hear from other players around the league the the degree of concern varies greatly like listening to alan robinson on more than one occasion whether it was our zoom calls or other places 
Allen Robinson is not overly concerned about what's going on. And then you talk to somebody like Akeem Hicks, and he's more worried about what's going on and how they're going to get by. And maybe that has maybe that has the nature because of the two different positions, one in which you're hitting somebody on every play, Akeem Hicks, one in which you don't necessarily have to worry about that, Allen Robinson. But it varies um, greatly from player to player. I don't know, man. I, I find it... I find it really hard to believe that the NFL doesn't have a plan in, or, or at least start putting the final dot in the, the I's and crossing the T's on. I mean, they have to. It's like, it, 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 like this, is, this is not something the, the NFL can just do for themselves. I mean, that this will be checked and required. No, nobody's going to put their, their, their entire business in danger of serious illness. Well, it was in various reports this week, Chiefs and Texan rookies are scheduled to report to camp today. All players must report, even though there's nothing, no, um, no response to, no, no emergency response. All players I think that's have getting to take, delayed, though, isn't it? Isn't that getting delayed? It might the 28th Monday, get delayed right, as well. Monday, that's fine. But there, there's no plan. There's no yeah. clearance yet from the NFL um, waiting to how to how to proceed, and this is it, there are an awful lot of people in the dark, including your highest paid player, Pat Mahomes, because Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network tweeted tweeted out talks remain ongoing. They don't have an agreement on testing, health and safety protocols, and even if they don't, Chiefs and Texas players will be required to report or face discipline. So then you're setting a stage for a grievance, but you could be setting a stage for something else if you're forced to report due to the malfeasance of a league that can't seem to establish any kind of safety procedures. Pat Mahomes retweeted it. Stuff is crazy, man. All this time we had, and now we are down to this, which is exactly the point. And Cardinals ace Jack Flaherty retweeted Mahomes with a comment, sounds familiar. Because baseball mm. went through its own problems and there was a sport that was actually had guys showing up and they couldn't get tests on time, they couldn't get results on time. They had the Cubs, which are had a have a sterling record of guys staying out of bars, guys being disciplined, you know, acting like they they are teammates you want, and yet they couldn't get results. There was without results, man, you can't practice, you can't do anything. So now you go, and baseball is a socially distant sport in a lot of ways. Naga football players, and all they're supposed to do is hit each other, and there's no safety procedures, no protocols. Why wouldn't you announce uh, them, Mark? You no, know, it's a good, it's it's a fair question. Like why they why they have not come out with a very detailed list and protocol for for that. It's totally fair. <laughs> it's so funny when you think back when we started to take COVID-19 seriously because obviously I think when, when did the, the, it started to hit in, I want to say February and I, and we were still comporting as normal then. And the, the, I remember thinking, okay, there's no way, obviously basketball, hockey, baseball, the only people were saying back then, the only sport that might get played this year is the national football league. And now it's possible. That's the only sport that won't get played this year because of the nature of it. 
um, and trying to figure out what the protocols are. So it's kind of ironic that all of a sudden here we are. And I think the NFL thought, and I think a lot of people thought that, oh, by then we'll have something figured out and there'll be a vaccine and this is not going to be as crazy as it is now. But but here we are. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be really – and I want to know, too, because I had no idea – what i'm doing on july 28th i don't know if i'm sitting on my couch like i am right now and i'm on a zoom call with whomever we get to talk to afterwards or am i driving to lake forest to be a training camp so i'd like to know too steve i would like you to know mark i wouldn't be in a hurry to leave until the nfl gets its act together uh the nfl has bigger problem other other problem i won't say bigger problems and has other problems and we will talk to Nancy Armour of USA Today about that after we take a break. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Thanks for listening to Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.